0: Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and it is good to have you here today as we share another story about sinners and saints and put some rocks in your pocket. We're telling the story today of the true warrior monks, the Knights Templar. And just as we begin the story, just want to make this disclaimer that there is no connection between the Templars and the Freemasons. These entities are centuries apart. They share no common foundation. This is the story of the true warrior monks. It was around 1119 when nine Frankish knights took vows in the presence of the Patriarch of Jerusalem, led by Hugh of Payens and Godfrey of Saint Omer. These knights vowed, like other religious brothers, to live lives of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Altogether new, however, in this monastic history, to say nothing of military history, was their fourth vow, which was to police the roads of the Holy Land for the protection of pilgrims. Soon nine grew to thirty, the Knights of the Temple of Jerusalem, or simply the Templars, were born. James Fitzhenry writes in his book, El Cid, God's Own Champion, which is the story of another knight in a different time. However, his mention of this concept is important to understand. What is the spirit of disinterest in self and self denying service for the common good? It is best explained by the spirit of chivalry. This spirit is meant to signify an interior attitude of the soul to accomplish God's will, whatever the cost, a disposition of the mind. The warrior monks were born of chivalry. The union of the man of prayer and the man of war was exactly what the Holy Land needed, and the chair of Peter gave them formal approval. A knighthood that fights a double battle against flesh and blood, and also against the spirit of evil. The knight who protects his soul with the armor of faith, as he covers his body with a coat of mail, fearing neither man nor demons. The knights of the temple were a formidable force in battle, and the cavalry charge on which they were masters was terrifying. The trumpet sounds, and they advance with the song of David, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give the glory. The Latin kingdom of Jerusalem lasted for two centuries because of such sacrifices by the Templar knights, first in and last out of every major battle. More than 20,000 Templars gave their lives. The Templar order grew quickly. Knights were eager to join. Cash gifts from the nobility as well as donations of land, estates, and manor houses all made their way in support of the Templars. By the middle of the 12th century, the Templars had such an extensive network of agricultural estates throughout France, Italy, Spain, and England. These were all used to fund the high costs that the Templars and others needed who constituted the standing army of the Crusades. Times change, and sometimes men get in the way and muddy the clear directions from God, losing their sight all too often in lieu of wealth and power. The Holy Land fell with the fall of Acre in 1291. King Philip IV of France, advocating merging the Templars with other military orders. The last Templar master, Jacques de Molay, rejected the idea. Historians have accused de Molay of naivete but he had the uncomplicated mind and the heart of a warrior. De Molay never gave up hope that his knights would once again take the trumpet's charge of a major crusade. It was the Templars' great wealth, though, on which the French king's imaginations were focused. The old master, De Molay, made his way to see the Pope, Pope Clement V, who had moved the papal chair to Avignon, France, from Rome. It was a dark time. Too much French political interest upon the Church. A compromiser and a vacillator, Pope Clement could not have much inspired the old warrior when he came to see him. Then came the appalling charges that set in motion the final passion of the Templars. Now the Pope would later absolve the Templars and restore them as men, but it was too late at this moment. It was all King Philip needed. The arrests were made and the unthinkable charges levied. After 11 days of French torture in a Paris dungeon, de Molay confessed. He instructed his brethren to confess, just as he had done. One of them said that under torture, he had been prepared to confess to killing God himself. In the end, the order of the Templar Knights was to be abolished. With a few words bullied by King Philip yet spoken by the Pope, the Knights Templar died with words, not in battle. It was on a raw March afternoon in 1314. Seven years later, seven years of life in prison, a scaffold stood in the shadow of Notre Dame on the Seine River. The people of Paris knew what macabre show was imminent, burning at the stake. A bizarre tragedy lay in waiting, scripted by King Philip. Jacques de Molay and Geoffrey de Charnay of Normandy stepped forward, on this terrible day, shouted Demolay, his gaze meeting the eyes of the crowd. In my final hour, I shall let truth triumph and declare before heaven and all the saints that I have committed the greatest of all crimes. The crowd pressed in. My crime is this, that I confessed to malicious charges against an order that is innocent so that I could escape further torture. I shall not confirm a first lie with a second. I renounce life willingly. I have no use for days of sorrow earned only by lies. The king's police seized the two knights, chained them to the stakes. They both shouted their love for Christ as the fire was set ablaze. The last masters of the knights of the temple of Jerusalem were reduced to ashes. It is a spirit that shows a disinterest in personal wants, merging with a disposition towards self-denying service, that one begins their journey towards chivalry. Though the Templar's end was not the most fitting, one might expect a more glorious final scene, something that brings a person to their feet. But then we would just be thinking about the man and not the spirit. I renounce life willingly, for I have no use for days of sorrow, earned only by lies. Yes. We could say that the journey from the time of Hugh of Pans, the first Templar, to Jacques de Malay, the period of the last, the life of the Knights Templar, lived and at the end died with a spirit of chivalry. Yes, they died fine. The question is, can we? And it's so. I hope you will come and see us at www.gritquest.com. I hope you'll consider making a donation to this ministry and help us keep this podcast and, and the work that we're doing alive. We thank you very much for that consideration. Also, take a look at our quests. Get involved. We'd love to have you out for One of the great adventures that we do. Blessings to you.